2: Well, good afternoon. Thank you again as always for just tuning in and I also am very grateful that you send it to your friends and family and neighbors and and this is just one of the ways that we can really become the best version of ourselves and who God has truly created us to be. So I want to start with a quote by albert einstein and i'm sure I'm certain that you have heard this before. And what he says is insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Well, I know that I've been there before. And there is some debate as to whether or not Albert Einstein actually created the saying. But whatever. It explains very well the reason we give into doing the same thing over and over again. And usually knowing we're going to get the same result. And so the saying has tremendous depth and width, breadth. You know, what concept is attempting, you know, to educate us on the idea that doing the same thing over and over again is simply a way to create habits. Now, if we want to create a habit, we don't need to worry about doing the same thing over and over again. But this is how we, we talk about that we create a neural net. This is a, this is simply like a superhighway in your brain. And this is why habits are so hard to break and why they continue to resort to them. So a helpful analogy would be similar to our superhighway systems. So I researched some of the ways to describe the brain and how it works. And I'm wanting you to be in charge of your own brain. I don't want you to be like the drivers that are distracted, impaired, arrogant, refusing to learn how to navigate our highway systems. So I want us to be all safe. So thankfully, a greater entity than ourselves has designed your brain and wants you to use it wisely. Our brains are incredibly resilient and able to learn and change if we will work with it and give it healthy and appropriate directives. Well, you know, we're gonna have to do another show on taking care of this amazing organ and what it can do even more, and how well it can heal if we have harmed it or misused it or have taken it for granted. So there's another way to look at this, and this is from um, an author, uh, Sarah Gibson, and she says, garbage in, garbage out. Are you aware of how you affect your brain, how you used it, abuse it, and take it for granted? How does garbage in, garbage out work from a brain perspective? See, there's been a lot of research around the concept of neuroplasticity, and neuroplasticity happens when connections are made across the neural network in our brain. Essentially, our brain creates superhighways that it travels quickly in response to outside stimuli. So it's doing it for us. It isn't something we asked it to do. So on our teams, that stimuli might be a coworker who is irritating. At home, it may be the trigger that causes you to explode when you find dishes left out in the living room for the 30th time that week. So what's interesting about this process is, first, that our brains create this crazy, fast reaction based on our emotional response to someone, and second, that we can help shape our reactions to certain stimuli and retrain our brains to respond differently. So th- think about this. Now, we've ta- I- I've talked to you a lot about this on the show. Um, About 15, 20 years ago, I had a very profound eating disorder, and we didn't know any of this when people were treating eating disorders. And so what happened was they had to ultimately retrain my brain so that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see a fat person, because here's the deal. I thought I looked fat, and I actually was so skinny, it was dangerous, And this is why we want to really understand what's going on in our brain and how our brain was created to work for us, not against us. And so let's look at caseworkers. You may have, you know, a set of perceptions as to why someone does something. So let's say Mary does this because she wants attention. You know, um, Ahmed does this because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. See, these are perceptions, and we feed our own opinion by looking for examples of where our responses are justified, thus strengthening our neurological superhighway. So let's go back to thinking about an eating disorder. It didn't matter how many times they told me I was so underweight it was dangerous. It didn't matter that they told me a million times. It didn't matter that they showed me the the number on the scale. It didn't matter. I had learned that I was fat. And so really undoing and redoing, this has been a really big deal in my life. I've had to work really hard on it. And I still can fall into that. I still can say to my husband, I don't know, does that look fat? He's like, Cynthia, please, There's n- <laughs> you couldn't look fat if you tried. And I have to change the way I think and say, okay, I'm going to trust that because I can't trust my eyes. And that is part of what we have going on in our brain. Maybe, maybe we're quick to judge. And then we make this uh, immediate assumption that now we think on, and then we practice it. And therefore we believe that it's truth versus being real. And see, that was one of the things when I, and I ended up working in eating disorder clinics for this reason. And one of the things that I was able to help these young women and young men who were so disturbed thinking they were fat was one of the things that I had to do was first and foremost, help them to trust me. And so this is where we know that we need to really practice saying, who am I believing? Am I believing my feelings? Or am I trusting the truth? Because my feelings are real, but sometimes they're not true. So how do we change the neural pathways that that have created these superhighways? The now very efficient patterning our brain has mastered. So first and foremost, we pause. Huge pause. We seek different information when we know we've jumped to a conclusion. And we ask what else may be happening behind the scenes that I don't know about. Or we have a conversation with the person clarifying what his or her comment or action meant versus going into it initially in a judgmental way. We go into it with curiosity. So each time we question our immediate emotional response, we're teaching our brain to hit the brakes before heading down that superhighway. And we're beginning the construction of a new bypass system, leading to more reasonable, logical, healthier and safer conclusions. So think about the garbage in, the garbage out. If I allow myself to create neural pathways that are unhealthy and unproductive, I'm going to need to be more intentional about creating new neural pathways that are healthier and better. If I put in garbage, you know, opinions or emotions, I'll repeat the path to my disordered or distorted emotions. And drive my own garbage from relationship to relationship. So we need to be mindful of how we think. So I ask you Are you a lazy thinker? Just letting your brain think whatever it wants to think and not believing everything your brain is thinking? And believing, I'm sorry, and believing everything your brain is thinking? Or are you challenging your thoughts? Are you challenging your feelings? Now, remember, this is one of the big things that I really purport on this show, because the thing that saved my life from anorexia was when God reminded me that feelings are very real, but not always true. And that was revolutionizing for me, because that helped me tolerate a feeling that I didn't like, that I didn't want to have, that I wanted to change immediately. And so this is where we recognize that, hey, am I challenging my thoughts, my feelings, my assumptions, my judgments? You know, am I aware that there's a superhighway that I have built, and so my brain, wanting to be lazy, will take the easiest route? And so I have to keep updating and maintaining how I think and what I believe. Now, do you take your brain for granted? the roads and the highway systems you're traveling in your mind every day? Are you being responsible to control those reactions and taking advantage of the cleanup the garbage crew of your brain is attempting to do for you? Or are you overloading the highways in your brain with unnecessary trash, like negativities, ridiculous assumptions, lying to yourself? So, for example, you've been hurt by people, and so now you automatically assume All the people are untrustworthy before you even get to know them. This means we need to reroute the garbage truck, take the trash out of your brain. Trust me, it's easier said than done, but well worth the work. And again, a lot of this I got from the author um, Susan Gibson because she really understands this process. So I want you to now understand how this works in your thought life, your emotions, your relationships, And including the relationship with you don't forget that triune that we've talked about the me myself and I how do I talk to me about myself so I want you to really take stock of what is going on I want you to be able to say to yourself I don't know why I do it this way I've always done it like this but I can change and I want you to make a list of things you do automatically For example, the phone rings, you see the name of the person, and you automatically think, oh, I don't want to talk to them. I know that they're going to say it's the same thing every time. Maybe it will continue to be that way for that person, but wow, I can say to myself, you know, I can steer that conversation. I don't have to just follow where it goes. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for listening today, and make sure that you tune in to the next segment. And thank you for telling your friends about the show. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for taking the time to listen and for also letting your friends and family know about the show as well. And I really appreciate the comments that you make online and that you're really taking advantage of what we're doing here. And so today we are talking about stop doing the same thing, right? And thinking that you're going to get a different result. And so we talked about Albert Einstein's famous line, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get different results. And so if you're just tuning in, we've been really talking about the idea of neuronets in our brain and how our brain works, and they're like super highways, And the more we travel on them, the more automatic they become. And so I was talking about the the struggle that I had when I was much younger with an eating disorder, And it took me a really long time to travel new thought patterns. It was so easy for me to go back and just say, you know, I know I'm just fat. I feel fat. I'm going to be fat the rest of my life, blah, blah, blah. Instead of resisting and saying, I can create a new neural net, a new way of thinking in my brain. And so the, the woman Sarah Gibson, I really like how she wrote this, and she talks about that her teams, <clears throat> excuse me, that that when they are working with a coworker who is irritating, you know, or at home it may be the trigger that causes you to explode when you find the dishes left out in the living room for the twentieth time. And so, what's interesting about this process is first that our brains create this crazy fast reaction based on our emotional response to someone. And second, that we can help shape our reactions to certain stimuli and retrain our brains to respond differently. So, I'll give you an example. If I'm going out to dinner, and, now see that you have to understand that eating disorders are very serious issues because they are very difficult to treat. I go out to dinner and my husband says, hey, let, let's have a big dessert. Now, I need you to know that because this eating disorder occurred young in my in my life, like in high school and college, there's always a first reaction for me, and that is, no, I can't eat that. I don't want to get fat. Now, I don't say this out loud because I have worked through this so for so many years, but it's interesting to recognize my brain immediately goes to that because it's done it so many times that I have to conscientiously change that and I say yeah you know that looks really good I'd love to taste it knowing that if I'm thinking of it in an adult way I can choose to eat however much I want or not at all and this is why we want to really think about this perception so what's interesting about the process that our brains create it's so fast, it's so crazy. And our, when we add an emotional response to it, we actually are really making it that much more powerful if we care about that thought. So, when we think about this idea of really understanding how we change the neural pathways that created these superhighways. It's now very efficient patterning that our brain has mastered. So first and foremost, we have to pause. We have to really seek different information when we know we've jumped to a conclusion. We ask, what else may be happening behind the scenes that I don't know about? Or we're having a conversation with a person and clarifying what are, what are his or her comments or actions, what they meant. See, each time we question our immediate emotional response... We are teaching our brain to hit the brakes before heading down that superhighway, and we're beginning the construction of what we would call a new bypass system, leading to more reasonable, logical conclusions. So this is how we we really say to ourselves, hey, my brain is really on my side, so I need to use it in the way that it needs to be used for my benefit. So when we think about this idea of of garbage in, garbage out, if I allow myself to create neural pathways that are unhealthy and productive, I'm going to need to be more intentional about creating new pathways that are healthier and better. So let's go back to the eating disorder problem that people can have. I had to choose to say, the feeling is real to me. I feel fat, but I know it's not true. So I am going to consistently reject that thought. And the more I did it, the less the thought occurred. The longer I start that I did it, the more confident I became. And I repeated that over and over again. So I took, you know, that lead for me, and I said, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. This is so debilitating and it's so like it it just messes with your mind and I would be so like split because I'm trying to hear this conversation that I'm having with somebody and in the back of my head I'm hearing how fat I am so these are things that we now know can change and we need to be mindful of how we think so I ask you are you a lazy thinker right do you just let your brain think whatever it wants to think and believe everything your brain is thinking Are you challenging your thoughts, your feelings, your assumptions, and your judgments? You need to be aware and to identify the neuro superhighways you have built and tend to your own highway system. See, for me, that superhighway of I am fat took a long time to tear down. And I still can fall into it because it was such a strong Thought that I continued to feed. And so I want you to ask yourself are you overloading the highways in your brain with your unnecessary trash and negative assumptions? So, for example, you've been hurt by people, and so now you automatically assume they are untrustworthy before you ever get to know them. See, this means we need to reroute the garbage truck and take the trash out of our brain. And that that was a really good call-out from Susan Gibson that I loved. And so trust me, it's easier said than done, but it's well worth the work. I want you to now understand how this works in your thought life, your emotions, your relationships, including, right, the famous me, myself, and I. I want to encourage you to take stock of the things you think and what you think automatically. And I want you to question, is that a healthy thought for me? Do I need to keep thinking that same way? See, those things are so easy now to do because you've practiced them for so long. And it is a great example of addictions. Or the person says to you, I don't know why I do it this way. I've just always done it like that. Well, make a list of the things you do automatically. For example, the phone rings, you see the name of the person, and you automatically think, oh, I don't want to talk to them. I know what they're going to say. It's the same thing every time. Well, maybe it will continue to be the same way for that person. But you can do it differently. You can dismantle a neural net simply by doing it differently. And this works with all habitual things, such as eating the same thing over and over again, thinking the same things about every human you meet, assuming you already know the outcome of things, Don't just float in the proverbial river, letting it take you wherever it wants to go, and then being frustrated with where you're at. Recognize what is habitual and what may need to change. Just making a minor change or doing a little differently causes the brain to think, adjust, and think differently. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue recognizing what we can do to make sure that we are living and not just existing. I hear the whispers in my well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today, and as always, I want you to take advantage of the things we have on the website, that's at CynthiaHyatt.com, and we have lots of things that are available for you to be able to read, to research, to, you know, download, all those different kinds of things. So what we're talking about today is this idea that I want you to think about going back to the basics. Because in the earlier show, we were talking about retraining your brain and that we really have more control over how we think than we give ourselves credit for. So what does back to the basics really, what does that really mean? Well, it's an approach that we use many times to help people change the way they think so that they can change their actions and change many of their outcomes. So the back-to-basics approach is stressing simplicity and the adherence to fundamental principles. Like the movement suggests a back-to-basics approach to living for those whose lives have become very complicated. And it's emphasizing or it's basing the teaching on such basic subjects as reading, writing, arithmetic, grammar, history in a traditional way. It's wonderful if you're doing this with little kids it's tough if if we're trying to redo this with adults so what I want you to think about is life and work can often feel overly complex and very busy and this can have a negative impact on achieving what matters most to you and leave you feeling really overwhelmed so I know that that's happened to me in my life where I really thought I had this great idea and I wanted to get it done, but it became so overwhelming and there were so many other things that became involved in it. And so the level of complexity, the level of busyness, and the feeling overwhelmed can slow down or derail any progress and any results. So it can reduce your personal effectiveness And what happens is you get a detrimental impact on your health and well-being as well because you start to doubt yourself. And that's what we want to stop. I don't want you to doubt yourself because you got tired or doubt yourself because, hey, I tried something new and it didn't work. See, going back to basics is so important. When you adopt this back-to-basics approach in your life and work, and you're proactively focusing on the things that make the most difference, you end up shedding all kinds of complexities. So you become more effective. And by doing that, you're building strong foundations to succeed, to thrive, and achieve in terms of what matters most to you in a more effective, sustainable, and healthy way. So if you feel like you would benefit from implementing some kind of a back-to-basics approach to your life and work, we have some practical steps that can get you started because I do not want you to be perfectionistic about this. So I want you to identify the things that add unnecessary complexity or add unnecessary busyness and that overwhelm you know, your life and your work. So I want you to create a plan to reduce or eliminate or manage those things. What might those things be? Well, it might be that you are perfectionistic and so you only feel good about what you do if it actually is close to perfect. And then you still stress about the one thing. And, and I show clients, I hold up a piece of white typing paper and I put a black dot on it and I say, what do you see? And they're like, well, the black dot. And I say, yes, but see how much white space there is. So, we, so it helps you to retrain your brain and say, I'm not going to look for the black dot every time. I'm going to see what else is there, what else is occurring. And so, creating a plan to reduce and eliminate or manage some things that are unnecessarily complex, that the busy work that you're doing doesn't help or get you anywhere. And so, you need to be able to set some of those boundaries that say, I need to get a clear idea about the things that that make the most difference and I need to create the most benefit ways to achieving what matters to me most. And that sometimes can feel, that in and of itself can feel overwhelming. So I want you to just start with small things. So create a plan to do more of those things. Make them habits. Put boundaries in place to protect them. And that would look like saying to yourself, okay, I love the idea that person is telling me, but I know realistically I can't implement anything right now until I finish the thing I'm doing. And I don't have to apologize for that. That's me taking care of me. So I need to get clear on the things that make the most difference and create the most benefit to achieving what matters to me most. So I I like people being happy and I like helping them be happy. And many times I can overwork that and not work on my stuff. And I have to work really hard on having those boundaries that say, you know, just because I have to say no to this person doesn't mean it's no forever. It just might be no for today. And this is where we want to create a plan to do more of those things, make them habits, put boundaries in place to protect them. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for listening. And we have one more segment, so I will talk to you soon. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for tuning in today and listening. And especially, I appreciate you letting your friends and family know about the show and what we're doing with all of this. And I really am grateful for you listening. I want you to have the best life ever. And I want you to be the best version of you. I want you to enjoy yourself the way God does. And to not be tripping up on and snagging on things. So we left off in that last segment talking about back to basics and what is back to basics what's the approach for that well it's stressing simplicity adhering to fundamental principles and a fundamental principle for me is going to bed (laughs) because frankly I think sleep is boring and so I would rather stay up and get more things done right so I have to kind of be a little you know hard with myself and say you can't do all the stuff you're thinking if you're too tired so we want to do something like, what is the back-to-basic approach with you? What are the basics that you need in your life? It could be the way you eat. It could be the, you know, sleeping. It could be how you spend your money. It could be how much time you spend being mean to yourself. It it could mean all kinds of things. And so I want you to think about life and work. And they're often you know, complex and overly busy, and this can have a negative impact on achieving what matters most to you and leave you feeling, you know, really overwhelmed. Well, that's because complexity, busyness, and feeling overwhelmed can slow down or derail progress and results. It's a big burden, and it can reduce your personal effectiveness. It also has a detrimental impact on your health and well-being, too, because it's using up energy, and you're not doing anything. You're just fretting. And so I've said to many clients over the years, I made up a new word, and I understand the word fretting. And so I say to them, you're a fretterer. That's what you are, because I know that I had to learn to not be a fretterer. I would fret over so many things. It never helped me. It just exhausted me and made me more anxious, right? So when you adopt a back-to-basics approach in your life, and and you do it with your work as well. See, you're proactively focusing on the things that make the most difference. So you're shedding a lot of the complexity. And you're recognizing that, yeah, that would be a really cool thing to add to this, but is it really going to help or is it just going to weigh everything down? We can't have everything. So you end up becoming much more effective. And by doing that, you're building strong foundations to succeed, to thrive, and achieve what matters most to you and what is most effective, sustainable, and doing it in a healthier way. See, if you feel like you could benefit from implementing a back-to-basics approach in your life and work, well, I, come, I, I did some research on this and I came up with some practical steps. Number one, identify the things that add unnecessary complexity, busyness, and overwhelm to your life and work. Identify the things that are doing that to you. And that can be things like, well, I keep it over there because I know one day I'm going to do it. Or I know I can change that. Or I can, you know, and, and instead of actually doing anything about it, we just think and think and think and think. And so what I want you to do is to create a plan to reduce or eliminate or manage those things. I want you to say to yourself, If all it's doing is taking up brain space and energy, it might not be something I need to be thinking on. I might need to just say, you know, I can write that down over there. And now I can tell my brain it's over there. I can pick it up anytime I want, but I'm not going to walk around with it anymore. I'm not going to take that thought or that, that idea or that, you know, burden or that mistake I made. I'm not going to take it with me everywhere I go. I can take care of it, but I don't have to do it perfectly. And so we get clear on the things that make the most difference. And we create the most benefit to achieving what matters most to me, what matters most to you. And so when we create a plan to do more of those things, then we're making them habits. And we're putting boundaries in place to protect them. So I'm not going to cave if I've been doing this and I know that I'm really getting on track with whatever the idea was and somebody comes and says, Hey, you know what? What if you add this to that? That would be really cool. Or man, why are you working so hard with all of that? Why don't you take a break? Well, maybe some of that's some good, I don't know, good information, but you have to determine it based on your life. You only get one life. So I want you to live it well. You don't have to live everything for other people. I mean, I'm certainly a people person. I give away a lot, a lot of things, but not to the point that it's detrimental to me because that doesn't help anyone that I'm trying to help, right? So we simplify things. Simplicity is the antidote to complexity, to busyness, to overwhelm. and, And I work on becoming a master of simplifying. It's like a superpower, okay? in the quest to achieve consistent, predictable results that, that really are effective. And so we all spend a lot of time and attention and focus every day, every week, every month, and year on things that don't really matter at the cost of what it does. That has a negative impact on progress. It's achieving what matters most to you, not just saying, I want to be perfectionistic, so even though that doesn't matter to me, I still want it to look good. So you can change that by creating and implementing back to basics strategies. And back to basics is is kind of a recentering. It's kind of a regrounding yourself in what defines you. And and this is also applicable for the grief and loss process. Now, this may sound silly, but there are some things that I had to let go of and it did cause me grief. Now, it might not have made sense to anybody else why I didn't want to let go of it. But I had to take accountability for the fact that I'm hanging on to something, that it's an idea or it's a behavior I like, but it's not doing anything for my life. <laughs> it's, not, it's not adding anything to my life. And so if it's positive, we'll keep it. <clears throat> if, it's known, if it's being known by negative things, we'll change it. See, you don't have to keep being that person that everybody goes, oh, well, we know about them, or we know about her. This is what she always does. We can change these things. Certainly, it's not simple. It might not be easy. Certainly not easy. But it is a very, very important endeavor for your life. And so let's think about these things. We have some things that that we, we should probably look at, and these are some biblical principles that that we say to ourselves, hey, like let, let's look at Proverbs 10:17. It says, "He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who forsakes reproof goes astray." So, wow, that doesn't mean anybody's bad. What God is saying is there's a better way to live. So he's saying that he who is on the path of life who heeds instructions, right? This is like this is good. But he who forsakes the reproof automatically loses their way. So how about this one? This is one of my favorite ones I tell myself. This is Proverbs sixteen, twenty-five, And it says, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Isn't that interesting? There's a way that seems right to me. But if it isn't being really cleared by God, if it's the wrong intentions then it's going to lead to death. Now, it may not be physical death. It could be relational death. It could be death of uh, finances that I have, and I did it in, incorrectly, and I lost a lot of money. Maybe I didn't take care of the car that I had, and now I don't have a good car, and I have to try to buy one and get a loan. So I want you to think about that. So Proverbs ten seventeen: he's on the path of life who heeds destruction. But he who forsakes reproof also goes astray. So I can be on the path to want instruction, but if I don't heed that instruction, it was for nothing. And so how about this one, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the words of a friend, but the deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Now think about that. Do you have people in your life that like to tickle your ears? That's the deceitful. That's the deceitful friend, and he may have good intentions, or she may have good intentions. She doesn't want you to be hurt, so she kind of massages it a little bit and doesn't really want you to have to deal with the whole truth, so think about this. These are some questions you want to ask yourself. Do I think that I'm the exception to the rule? That's an interesting phenomenon that we have in our society. People think that they are above the law. They think that their bodies can take anything, and if they wreck their body, they can go get it fixed. So remember that God's way is always the best way. And so I have to say to myself, hey, have I considered the possible outcomes for my course of action? Or am I just excited about the idea, and I'm just going to hope that it works? So it's important to say to yourself, I can't think that I'm the exception to the rule. And I need to remember that God's way is the best way. He's never wanting to take anything good from me away. He doesn't want me to suffer. And so I have to make sure I don't think I'm the exception to the rule. And I have to ask myself, have I considered the possible outcomes for this course of action? Or am I just liking the idea of that action? How about this? Proverbs 14:15. The naive believes everything, but the prudent man considers his steps. Now, what does that mean? It means that the fool, which is a nice way to say naive, right? which is a more, you know, accurate way to say naive, is that he says, hey, the foolish tears it down with their own hands. The naive believes everything. So this is where we want to say to ourselves, we're going to go back to basics. So I want you to find some Bible verses or some sayings from people that you like to follow and implement them into your life. Remind yourself of what you know. Don't just let life be happenstance. Don't let life just happen to you. And this is where we really work on saying, I need to be committed to me. That doesn't mean that I'm selfish. The more committed I am to myself, the less effort I need. The more, that, the more energy I have to give to other people. If I'm taking care of me, I don't have to take so much time with me because I'm working. Every, my life is working. So I need to be careful about saying, hey, man, maybe if I just do this much, it's good enough. So I want you to think about this. This is Proverbs 10, and it's one of my favorites, 10.9. It says, he who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. That's crazy, right? And so when we talked about the Proverbs 27, 27, 12, a prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. What we want to say is, why are we unnecessarily getting in our own way? I want you to be your own best friend. I want you to be your own cheerleader. I want you to recognize that, hey, this seems and feels like a temptation, even though it sounds right. But I need to be caring for me because there's a lot of people that need me. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.